Hey Prodigal, good morning, and we're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today, we're excited to announce a guest speaker, Micah Foster, one of our own, and we cannot wait to hear what he has to share with us. We had so much fun hanging out with all of you on Friday at our auction, and we want to give a huge shout out to those of you who donated your money and your time to help make it a successful event. We cannot wait to see how God uses this money for the rest of this year and beyond. Believe it or not, Easter is right around the corner, and we're starting to take candy donations for our annual Easter egg hunt. So go ahead and check out our Amazon wish list at our app or on the website for more information on how to donate. And that's it for me for announcements. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Have a great Sunday. Well, hey, Prodigal, welcome to online service today. I'm so excited to be hanging out with you. Uh, I know it's been a while since I spoke. I spoke last year, maybe around this time. Uh, but my name is Micah, and I'm a volunteer here. I'm used to saying, or in the past, in my previous lives, I have said I'm the lead pastor here, I'm the youth pastor here, I'm whatever, but that's not my role here. I, I volunteer, I do sound, uh, I hang out with kids sometimes, sometimes I go on trips with the youth, because I've got three kids of my own. So let's talk about my family for a second, so you got some context for my life. Uh, but first of all, I really need a sip of this, this coffee, you know, in my great prodigal mug. That was probably disgusting. Uh, anyways, yes, my name is Micah. I'm married, have three kids. We love going to Prodigal Church. We love being a part of Prodigal Church and all the things that we get to do here. Let me just show you uh, my family so you know that they're real. Um, so here's my family. Um, I love this picture because it really shows our personalities. This is from a recent trip we took. Uh, Josiah. Uh, there on on your left, and then uh, myself, obviously, on the right, my wife, Erica, uh, who also volunteers quite a bit here at Prodigal, and then my daughter, Brent, and then our youngest, Eli. And I love this picture because Josiah is tickling Eli, and Eli cannot, like, handle himself. You know, it's interesting because when people introduce themselves in any context, right, they're always like, so tell me about your family, do you have kids, where do you live, you know, those sorts of things. And, and then the next thing they say is like, what do you do, right? Because they want to know about you. They want to know what you're, what you're into, what your identity is, um, what you do all day long. So I'm a business owner now. I used to be pastor, but now I'm a business owner. And we serve uh, busy leaders all across the U.S. by providing um, executive assistance for them. So that's what I do, uh, which is there's a long story of how I got to there, but that is not for today. But let's like go back to like elementary school. You know when they like teach you how to introduce yourselves to your friends in elementary school and the next question you have, because back then you don't have, you know, what do you do? You know, what's your work? They have, do you have, go ahead. What do you think it is? Type it in the chat. Some of you, I can, I can, I can feel that you're mulling it over. But the question is, do you have pets? And yes, the answer is I do have pets. Here's my pets. Here's our family dogs. On your left, we have Corey. And on your right, we have Daisy. Uh, these are our two annoying little dogs that are uh, lazy dogs. You know, back to that idea of people want to know your identity. People want to know who you are, um, especially before they hear you or listen to you. They want to know what you've accomplished in life, all those sorts of things. Um, and our identity becomes so wrapped into what we do that sometimes when we have a life change, our whole identity is messed with. Our ho whole identity is, is questioned. And certainly coming out of pastoring and moving into a different role, running my own business instead of 
planting and, and being in charge of a church uh, has been certainly identity racking, right? And I've had a few of those moments in my life where, you know, there's a there's an opportunity for me to lose footing, for me to, to lose an understanding of who I am. Because most people's identity, when they're young, starts around who are they around, right? Their family or their closest friends become their identity. You know, it, maybe it starts with family and then it moves to friends as you get older, as you kind of distance yourself from your parents. And then eventually you kind of come into this, well, I, my identity is wrapped around what I do for work or what do I, what do, I do with my time? And those are natural transitions. But at some point, right, we have a major transition. We have a major thing that happens in our life or multiple things that push us away from those things. It could be a loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the shutting down of a business or the closing of a church to join another one, which is what we did. And in those moments of major transition, there's just such huge, huge Um, opportunity for you to lose who you are. And when you lose who you are, right, when you don't understand who you are, it becomes difficult to face trials. It becomes difficult to understand how to operate day to day. It becomes difficult to understand this is who I used to be. But in that context, I knew it. I knew what to do with my life. I knew how to react to certain situations. But now that that is disrupted, I don't quite know how to react to these situations. Should I hold on to those same values and truths or should I explore something new because something was disrupted, something didn't work and something didn't work out? It's, it's a major moment of crisis. So today I want to take a, a, a look at what that kind of looks like, but I want to ground us because where we derive our value is usually where we find our identity. So there's a lot of questions, you know, is your, is your identity and your value derived from your family? Is it from your work? Is it from your accomplishments? Is it from your athleticism? Is it from your hobbies? Is it from your stance or belief about something? Is it from the individual impact you believe you'll have on this world? You know, where is your value? Where does it come from? And I think depending on how we answer that will shape how we uh, deal with difficulty, will shape how we deal with the bumps that you're going to experience in life. Well, let me take it back to, uh, you know, I was about 18 years old to a, to a story here I want to share with you. I was about 18 years old and I was hanging out with some friends in a local McDonald's. I don't know if you've ever been to this establishment. It's it's a fine dining establishment. You know, you got the arches uh, and you've got Ronald there on a bench. At least you did in those days. Now they've renovated the place. But this particular McDonald's was at first in knees in Fresno. Hanging there, we were going to shut it down. I had about eight friends with me, guys and girls. Uh, we were just hanging out, having a good time. And it was getting to be, you know, towards closing hour. When a bunch of 20-somethings walked in, I was the oldest of my friend group at the time, a bunch of 20-somethings walked in, a bunch of guys scraggly looking, drove up in these big lifted trucks, uh, and there was there was quite a few of them. If I had to guess, there would at least be a dozen, maybe more. Now, my friends were not big, you know, strong, buff 
guys. We, you know, it, we weren't that crew, all right? And these guys walked up to us, cornered us, and their leader looked at us and said, how you guys doing tonight? Yeah, how you guys doing tonight? And all my friends kind of went, uh-oh, what's happening here? What, what, what do we do? And I looked at him and I said, I'm, I'm doing all right. We're doing okay. Doing pretty good. And he looked right back at me square in the eye as, as he realized I was going to be the, the talker. I was going to be the representative for the group. I, was, I had elected myself to speak. Um, and he looked at me in the eyes and he said, how would you feel and how would your night be going if when you walked outside those doors, I took a bat to your head? Could have heard a pin drop, right? It was dead silent. The whole place was like, what is happening right now? And there was, I could feel the fear just ooze into my friends. They were just, they were just, there's so much fear inside of them. They all just shriveled up and was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get out of this? And I looked back at him and I said, well, I guess it wouldn't be going so well anymore. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he looked at me and I looked at him and I'm going to pause the story right there. Now I'm going to leave that tension for you and I'm going to come back to that story in a little bit, but I want to leave you, I want not leave you, but I want to give you this sort of bottom line. And this is the bottom line today that I want you to walk away with. And you can, this is the phrase that pays. This is the thing that I want you to know um, as we, as we kind of have our time together. So it's this, when you know whose you are, you can face just about anything. When you know whose you are, we can face, or you can face just about anything. So you, we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that story in a little bit. I want to read for you a few verses in Romans chapter 8. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, and they uh, are a people of persecution. They are a people who are put down. They are a people who are trying to find their way and understand their place in this world, their identity. And Paul is encouraging them. He's encouraging them because Paul himself has had a major transition in identity that could have rocked his world, but actually it was the best kind of transition for him because it, it forced him, it forced him to lean on God and find an identity and purpose in him. He thought he had that before and it was disrupted. He deconstructed and he was reconstructed in God. By the way, there's a buzzword out there. It's called deconstruction. I don't know if you've heard it, but a lot of people of faith or people who have had faith are going through it right now. They're listening to each other, uh, kind of rant about their bad experiences. And I totally get that. And I actually, um, I'm, I'm a fan of people seeking truth. And someone asked me recently, how far do you think someone should go in their deconstruction journey? And what I said was, I think they should deconstruct all the way down to the foundation. And when they get to the foundation, if they find that it's built on Jesus, that's a great foundation and they can reconstruct from there. But if they get down to the foundation and they find that it's tradition, they find that it's a, a viewpoint, they find that it's a, a, a belief against something and it's not built on actually Jesus, they got to find Jesus as their foundation before they rebuild. 
That's kind of my, that's my opinion. Okay. <laughs> you can ask John what his opinion opinion is, but that's mine. And he asked me to speak, so I get to share it. Let's go to Romans chapter eight. I'm going to show it to you here on the screen. We're going to start in verse 14. I love this. Check this out. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about by your adoption to sonship. Remember, we adopted our youngest son. So that word really just, it just, it gets to me, right? Like I know the context. I know the understanding. I I understand what adoption is. Adoption is you are taking someone and you're integrating them into your family and they get your identity, your family identity. So I get that. And that's what's happening here. That's what Paul's talking about. Adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are adopted children of God's. We're not born children of God because uh, that would be different. It says we are adopted into sonship or daughterhood of God. We are children of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. What's an heir? An heir has rights. An heir has rights to uh, something that's royal, right? We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we are heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are adopted into the royal family of God. Just let that sink in. Let that sink in for a moment. I would love it if you would go home and read the entire chapter of Romans 8. You probably raise a bunch of questions as well, which is good um, to discuss and uh, and see how it impacts your life. But I'm going to skip down a little bit further to verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How? Will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? If it is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one condemns. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us? I know you've heard this. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or dudes in McDonald's. As it is written, for your safe, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Guys, listen. When you know whose you are, you can face just about anything. When you know whose, who you belong to, When you know where your identity comes from and where you can rest, 
you can face just about anything. Now, let's go back to my little story. I'm in McDonald's. We're staring at each other. He's asked me, if when you walk outside and I take a bat to your head, how would your night be going? And I simply said, well, I guess not so good. We're staring back and forth. My friends, again, filled with fear. All of his friends lined up surrounding us. We couldn't leave if we wanted to. We're sitting down. They're standing up. They're towering over us. They're older than us. They're, they also seem to be a little out of their mind. <laughs> you know, they, there's some substance inside of them, some external substance that is influencing their behavior. And I just remember that moment having complete peace. Complete peace. Not a question of what's going to happen to us. Will we survive? Is this going to be a big thing? But complete peace. I didn't have any doubts that we would be taken care of. And in those moments, he looked at me and he looked back at me and he said, why aren't you scared? Why aren't you scared? Then I looked back at him and this is the best phrase I knew how to say it at the time. I think it's a little cheesy now, but it was the best way I knew how to describe what I was feeling inside. And what, what I said was, well, cause I got Jesus. Maybe my phrasing should have been more like, well, I trust Jesus or um, I am a son of the living God, a co-heir with Christ, you know, but I didn't have those words. All I had was I got Jesus and that was enough because the moment I said the name of Jesus, that guy turned from uh, kind of looking down at me and trying to get in my head and trying to mess with us. He turned and he went like this. And the whole room shifted. My friends lifted. Those guys went down. And um, he looked at me and he goes, <laughs> you beat me at my own game, man. You beat me at my own game. And I didn't really know what that meant. I don't know if he knew what that meant. But it basically shifted the entire environment. Those guys left. I gave him actually a, a handshake and a half hug. And they left. And my friends looked at me. Most of them were not uh, Christians or, or would say they were Christians. Um, and they looked at me like, what just happened? And I was like, guys, there's power in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, that was a moment for some of them. That was a moment of witnessing um, the power of God. I didn't do anything. All I said was, I got Jesus. And we were taking, we were completely taken care of. Now that could have gone a lot of different ways, right? I could have gone a totally different way. And it's nice that it fit together in the way that I'm telling the story and that it fits together in the way that I would hope that it would go. But I'm telling you, there are things like that that happen every day in people's lives. So when you know whose you are, you can face just about anything. I just want to encourage you guys. Like if, if you are a follower of Jesus, he is for you and he is not against you. In fact, he is for all people. He's not against people. He loves all people and wants a relationship with all people. 
So as you face like adversity and you face difficulty and you have transitions where you're not sure where your identity is, remember your identity is centered on someone that is close to you. It is not on the people around you um, who are family. It is not on your job. It is not on what you can accomplish. It is not on your physical skills because all of those things can change. But one thing that will never change, one thing that will never change is Jesus loves you. You have a heavenly father who considers you a son or daughter. And there's nothing, there's no length to which he wouldn't go to make sure you were taken care of. When you know whose you are, you can face just about anything. Now, I don't want to give you, you know, uh, any sort of like high in the sky or pie in the sky sort of false expectations here. I'm not saying that you won't have troubles. I won't say that you won't have sickness. I'm not saying that you won't have difficulty in your life. Actually, it's guaranteed you'll have those things. At some point, someone around you or yourself will have those things. But in those moments when there's major transition and you are stuck with this idea of who am I and am I going to hold on to what I know to be true about God who loves me or am I going to abandon it all and try to find some other ship to sail this rough sea? I'm telling you, hold on to that hope because he loves you. And he wants the best for you. And he will see you through. If I could sum up, this is, this is now getting into revelation here a little bit. If I could sum up the message of revelation for you in my, in my interpretation, here's my words for you. There's a lot that happens there. A lot of it's imagery. It's hard to interpret all this stuff. Yes. But it boils down to this. What is wrong will be made right. So whatever's wrong in the world, whatever's wrong in relationships, whatever is, is, is off, it will be made right. God will make it right. In some way, somehow, we trust him for that. We believe that he will make it all right. And if we can be active participants in that by sharing love and hope with others, uh, let's do that. Because I think that is our call as Christians to share love and hope, and through deed, and not just our words. So today, remember, as you face trials, and as they come up, because everybody's going to have them, when you know whose you are, you can face just about anything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for those who cannot or won't come to uh, Prodigal in person. I pray that you would connect them with community Um, real community in their lives that would be an encouragement to them, that would love them, that they could also love. I pray that when life hits us square in the face um, and we're unsure what to do, that we would remember whose we are, that we are yours, that we are children of the Most High God, that you love us, that you would do anything for us, um, and let us be bold in our ask of you, um, and let us share your love with other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. I hope to see you in person soon. God bless.